the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Loved ones, we have an identity to reveal to people. It's part of being a Christian. It's part of our witness. We are revealing something of ourselves, our identity to people constantly, every day. The moment you step into the car and drive, you know, that you, you get to be identified. I don't want anybody in this church witnessing to a CHP officer, okay? And I know I say that a lot, but it's a warning. It's a loving warning. If you've been witnessing to the cops more than you ought to, they're seeing something in you that is inconsistent with that sticker that says you love Jesus. Amen? What about your wife, your husband, your children? Do you have a complicated relationship with them? Don't we try? We try to simplify everything because there's nothing worse than having a complicated home life. Amen? It's tough. I, I, I understand that. It's tough because it, especially with somebody like me who preaches, those people who live with me, they know who I really am. You know, you can say amen to my sermon, but some of the people in my house, namely my wife and children, you know, they're not saying amen all the time. They're saying, hey, man, more times than amen. Right. Because they know you. They know who you are. OK. But one thing I'll never be in front of my family. It's different from where I am right here. What you see here is what you're going to get. Okay? They know my kinks. They know my problems. They know everything about me. And I want you to know my goal is to simplify all of that, to make sure that the focus is on Jesus. You need to focus on simplifying your life. Get rid of the complications in life because we have... Uh, if we don't deal properly with them, it can just escalate. You know, there are things that happen in your past that's complicated your present right now. And I say this to everybody who's trying to get married, you know. Make sure that you've simplified your life before you even propose. Because there's so many baggages we carry into that relationship. So many that pretty soon, you know, bitterness sets in. Pretty soon, you know, you're being accused of false advertising. You didn't tell me this is how you are. You didn't tell me you do this. You didn't tell me, you know, then all of a sudden, you know, you're arguing. Honeymoon is over. No longer soulmates. You're cellmates. Gets complicated. I, I, you know, it might be simplistic to some of you, but that's the truth. Because we carry that stuff. You, you and I, I mean, this is the truth. You carry all the, those things that, the me that, that your memory carries, you know, all the, you know, the way you were bullied when you were a kid, all the way to an abuse that you received, all the way to a really bad situation. All of that, all of that, if it's not dealt with, will show up in a relationship. It will. And so what, the, what does the Bible say? Fix your eyes on Jesus. You know, he can rewrite many of the things that are written in the top of your head head so it catches up with us and then we fall behind spiritually i'm not talking to people who don't believe in jesus i'm talking to christians christians couldn't advance their life because there's so much complications we're getting pulled down we can't move forward 
We can't lift our hands so high because our burdens are so heavy. This is as far as we'll worship God. Right here, mid-size. Mid-size worship. We fall behind spiritually. We're going to suffer in terms of our relationship with God. May I just ask you this morning, when you come to church on Sunday, just ask yourself, am I coming to church to receive the blessing of God or to receive healing? I know a lot of people who have been Christians for a long time. They Sunday in, Sunday out. Come in the church to receive healing from God. When are you going to come to bless the Lord? When are you going to come to say, I'm going to bless you because you bless me? When are we going to come to say, instead, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not going to hear a rebuke today. I, I'm going to praise you, God, today. That's how it's supposed to be. And I'm not saying the church is not a hospital for people who are ailing. This is the right place. If you're hurting, if there's something in your life that's kind of, you know, putting you down, this is the right place. You're in the right place. But at some point in our lives, when we come before the presence of God, we're going to have to start lifting up the name of Jesus and start blessing his name rather than saying, oh, I need healing again. I need forgiveness again. Ah, it's not wrong to ask forgiveness every day. That's fine. But at some point, got to deal with the complications that are in your life. I've been a pastor long enough to know that people cannot advance their walk with Christ because when they come to church, they wanna, they, they, they're receiving a rebuke rather than a rejoicing. That's not supposed to be. So how do we simplify our lives? 1 Timothy 6, 11 to 12 says this, But you, man of God, flee from all this and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, endurance, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. And when you made your good confession in the presence of many witnesses. Four stages to simplifying our life. Number one begins with repentance. Flee from all of this, the commandment of the scripture says. Change the way we think. Number two, redirection. Don't just repent. We must go on a different direction because God is leading us to a new and better place in our life. Revolution. You need to learn how to fight the good fight of faith. And how does that happen? When you push, push for more trust in God. Push for more honoring of God. Push for more dependence on God. Push to have a prayer life. Push yourself to honoring God. Oh, Christians, aren't we supposed, we're not supposed to push. Yes, you're supposed to push your way through. Okay? We're supposed to do that. Isn't that salvation by works? Not at all. This is the work of the Spirit. You're going to have to push through. Though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, we're supposed to walk through. Jericho is yours, but you've got to march seven times. You, you, you. There's going to be a disaster. There's going to be a flood. Build a boat. That's what Scripture teaches us. I know I spend a lot of time on this first point because complicated lives can ruin your spiritual life. Just like that. So get rid of all of that stuff. You know, uh, Learn to pick your battles. All right? She asks you to take the garbage out, take the garbage out. Don't argue. Right? Simplify things. There's a second marker that reveals our true identity, and that is courage through knowledge. Courage through knowledge, okay? 
when they saw the courage of Peter and John. See, courage can be seen. Okay? Look at what Paul says uh, to the Colossian church. He says, For this reason, since the day we learned about you, we have not stopped praying for you, asking God to fill you with the knowledge of His will through all spiritual wisdom and understanding. Did you know that as a Christian, you are identified with the courage that you possess? Courage. That courage that we have comes from what we know. That's why scripture is very clear that we need to have the power. You know, I've always wondered, how do I get power? Do I get an electric shock from the Holy Spirit? Do I get an electric, uh, some kind of an ecstatic experience from the Holy Spirit? These are wonderful things. But you know you have power because you know something about God. You have knowledge of the Word of God. You understand what God says. That's when po power comes from knowledge. Knowledge of what? Knowledge of truth. Knowledge of truth. Full assurance is a big deal. A big component of our Christian identity. We are assured of many things. Our salvation. We're assured of our home in heaven. We are assured of our forgiveness. But we're also being assured with power. Jesus says, Power is going to come to you from on high. You will receive power when you receive the Holy Spirit. And, and how do we know we have received the Holy Spirit? There's that hunger to know a little bit more about what Jesus said, right? A little bit more about who Jesus is. A little bit more about what Jesus would do in a particular situation. It's what we know that gives us assurance, and assurance is power. I still do this to this day. Every time I go to a restaurant, I touch my back pocket to make sure that I have my wallet in there. Why? Because if I know I have my wallet and there's money in it, then I can go have courage to order whatever I want. Not only do I need to, be, to know that I have my wallet, I need to know how much is in my wallet. Right? Yeah, you can't start ordering stuff. And then you only have $5. A simple illustration like that shows us that knowledge is power. Okay? It's true when it comes to our courage. It gives us assurance. Paul says, For I know whom I have believed, and I'm persuaded that he is able to complete that which he started doing in me until the day Jesus returns or until the day I go to him. That's a powerful promise. When we know what's right, we can have the courage to stand. No fear at all. When we know we are true to the words of Jesus and Jesus is the truth, as Christians, we live our, our lives on the basis of what Jesus said is true. If we must, we will, mu we will die standing on that truth. We need the courage to stand. We never allow politicians, entertainers, University professors, gurus. We never allow these people to tell us what we believe and what we know. Never surrender to an unbeliever what you know is the gospel. Don't listen to their version of the gospel. You know the gospel. I know the gospel. We never allow anyone to tell us the truth. Whoever tells us what is true, we know that they cannot be trusted because we know the truth. And the truth is not a what. It's always been 
a who. Every argument, every thought must be filtered through the lens of God's eternal world. It doesn't, word, it doesn't change, for God cannot change, and neither will he lie. We have courage because we identify ourselves as followers of Jesus by obeying his word. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized that they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished at their power. Why? Is it because they're highly educated? Is it because they're articulate? No, they were fishermen. Many of them don't even have work. And yet the people were astonished because they carry power. Okay? Now we are a few weeks from this election. Stop listening to the news. Okay? We're, you know, uh, if you keep listening to what's going on, and I'm not, you know, I, I can't tell you who to vote for. I won't tell you who to vote for. But I'm going to tell you this. I am going to vote for I, what I know to be the truth from scriptures. I'm a values voter. I vote for what I know is biblical truth. I don't ever get swayed by politicians. They're just people. You're going to hear people in this election campaign, and uh, let me warn you now, many of them will call themselves Christian. Many of them will fly there saying, oh, I've been a Christian for just to get your vote. But you know what a Christian is. A Christian is not someone who affiliates. Jesus is not a Republican. He's not a Democrat. He's not an Independent. Jesus is not this party or that party. Jesus is Lord. Okay? And it's what Jesus says. And if a politician happens to fall into, in line with what, what Jesus taught, then they have a chance that I might even vote for him. But I don't want to be lied to by these politicians. I don't want to be lied to by people who say things just to get my vote. Now, again, I'm not here to persuade you which party you vote for. But I'm going to be honest with you, and you, can, you, might, you might hate me for this, but I'm going to say it anyway. Okay, they might ed edit it when, you know, we go to that radio program, doesn't matter. I'm not going to vote for anyone who support the killing of unborn children. I'm not going to go do that. I'm just telling you, okay? I'm just telling you flat out. I'm not going to vote for anyone who now wants to kill people when they're born. I'm not going to vote for anybody who supports that. I don't care who they are. I don't care what party they represent. I'm not going to go vote for anyone who stops me from worshiping Jesus. I don't vote for anybody like that. Okay? <laughs> I'm, just, I'm just telling you. Okay? I'm not voting for anybody who tells me that I cannot sing at church. Okay, I can't, I can't do that. I'm sorry. I mean, you know, many of you are saying, well, you know, you're not being practical. I'm not preaching to be practical. I'm preaching because the scripture says this is how we should live, live by them. I'm not going to vote for anybody who says that there's no more room for the traditional family. Just can't do it. I just can't do it. Okay, now I, I don't care who you vote for. 
I'm simply saying to you where I stand on this so that there's no confusion. Okay, I don't want to confuse anybody. But I have a personal obligation and responsibility to tell you what Scripture says. Okay, I, I'm not, I'm not a preaching hate against anybody. I'll die to uphold the freedoms of everybody. But I reserve the right to honor my Savior, to honor His Word. That's the extent of it. We don't need to complicate ourselves. We need to be identified for who we are. I'm a follower of Jesus. Paul says, if I live, I live for Christ. If I die, I'm better off. <laughs> you feel that way? You better. <laughs> because you are identified with Christ. Third and final thing. We know that we are in Christ because our prevailing is in the unveiling of Jesus in front of people. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished and took note that they had been with Jesus. They were identified as, oh, these people have been with Jesus. They just reflect him so much. Acts 4, 8 to 12 says, Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to account today for an act of kindness shown to a cripple and, and ask how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. The stone you builders rejected, which has become a capstone, salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to men by which we must be saved except by the name of Jesus. And then again, in verse 18 to 20, when they called them in again and commanded them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, Judge for yourselves whether it is right in God's sight to obey you rather than God. For we cannot help speaking about what we have seen and heard. We unveil the name of Jesus. And that's how we prevail in life. The ultimate goal of revealing our identity is to unveil Christ before the people. The, to win in life is to, uh, to unveil Jesus. There's no winning in life without the radiance of our faith in Christ as we reveal Him. Jesus said, if you show kindness to the least of this, you would have done it for me. Jesus means business when we reveal Him to people. There's no way we can be victorious in life, in our relationship, in our business, without Christ being revealed in us. And I know a lot of people don't believe that. But let me tell you, the key to a successful marriage, the key to a successful career, the key to a successful business, name it, is to unveil Jesus in the midst of all of that. Well, pastor, I know a lot of people, they don't even believe in God and they seem to have better marriages than Christians do. I, they, I mean, people, they, they never believed in God, but they're more successful in their business. They got better breaks in life. You know what Jesus said to those people? Don't envy them. 
they already receive their reward. The extent of their reward stops right here on earth. But you and I were made for heaven. Our reward is in heaven. We are built for eternity. And until then, we are to reflect the glory of Jesus. Let me ask you a question this morning. I know I've been asking so many questions. Forgive me. Our scripture says there's no name given under earth, on the earth, above the earth, for which man or woman can be saved except by the name of Jesus. Let me ask you this morning, have you identified yourself as belonging to Jesus? Do you belong to Jesus? Have, you, you know, I mean, it's church service like this, you know, preacher comes and he gives an altar call. Will you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? I'm not asking you that this morning. I'm asking you this. Can you drop the religion? Can you drop the religious aspect of that relationship with Jesus? Uh, can we talk about identity for a moment? Will you be identified as a follower of Jesus by somebody? Do you, do you show the signs that, hey, you know what, they spot you. They may not know precisely you're a Christian, but they can identify something in you that the Holy Spirit is radiating. Let me ask you that challenging question. Have you identified yourself as a follower of Jesus? That's an important question. Peter says, no name can offer salvation but the name of Jesus. Do you know that you're going to have a different name when you get to heaven? <laughs> you're going to be called a different name. God's going to name you something different. You'll still retain your, your earthly name. But God's going to give you a name. A name that is written in glory. I'm not talking about relig religion here. I'm not talking about becoming a part of Living Rock Church. You should be part of a worshiping body. But the challenge here this morning is whether you are in the body or with the Lord, you belong to the Lord. That's the ultimate question. Can you be identified as a follower of Jesus? If not, you need to pray that prayer. And that prayer is, Jesus, I'm identifying myself as your follower. My life belongs to you. In fact, Jesus, here's the key to my life. I want you to start driving. I'm in there for the ride. Father, as we conclude another Sunday morning service, we thank you once again for the opportunity to come together Maybe not in an ideal situation. We're worshiping outside, but Lord, your presence is here. We know that for sure because we just sang about your goodness. We just praised you about your, your great salvation. We just honored your name, and we know that you inhabit that. If there is someone in this room and someone probably listening who has not identified themselves, as followers of Jesus, I pray, O oh God, that they'll make that decision right now. They need to be baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And they need to be taught how to be a disciple. 
And I pray that you will just speak. There's nothing I can do here, O oh Lord, but your Spirit's the one who will do the work. It's easy for us to say that we're Christians. The question is, can we be identified as Christians? Holy Spirit, you do the work in the lives of people. You know we're imperfect people. You, you know, Holy Spirit, that we are in, per, in, in, in imperfect situations. No, not a single marriage here is perfect. Not a single father here is perfect. Not a single wife, mother, not a single one of us is perfect. That's why we identify ourselves as your followers, because you are our hope. We ask you, O oh God, to seal the promise of the Holy Spirit in our hearts that we might live according to your will and your word. We bless you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen and amen.